Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Silver Sevens, our Thursday home, our Thursday night football home, home today for Vegas Golden Knights hockey. Puck drops here in just a couple of minutes. The Eagles and the Texans, John Von Tobel is here. The number has now jumped to 14. Eagles are laying 14 on a Thursday night football tilt. Total is 45 and a half. We'll break down the game in the middle of the hour. We start off the 4 o'clock hour every day with a big 4 at 4. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. That was mean. I was going to ask John Von Tobel a question about the football game. I decided, no, we're going to do it in the middle of the hour because I want him to come out on fire here. So we know about this Furniture Mac guy who's making all the big bets, and we pointed out, and he does it all around sports, that he runs these furniture promotions. Essentially, the bets are insurance for his furniture promotions. This time around, though, he does have a chance to win a lot of money. If he doesn't win it, he's not going to go to the poorhouse. But he was very frustrated two games ago. Last night, I'm sure, was great because the uh, the Astros threw a no-hitter. But he's frustrated a couple days ago, and he's in Philadelphia. And if you are going to sit in the crowd and then you're going to leave with the, you know, with the rest of the fans – Things are going to happen. People are going to talk trash to you because you're the one who wanted to be a big celebrity. You do all these interviews. You're on camera. And he did not react well to the Philadelphia treatment, did he? No. Um, and here's the thing. He was – it wasn't like, hey, Mac, you suck. Right? You know what I mean? It wasn't anything like that. It was them, the Philly fans, questioning the Hall of Fame credentials of Jose Altuve, which then caused him to get outraged and – and go into just a meltdown. Okay. Was that four or five f bombs from the eighty-year-old furniture Mac? I think that was four. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot in that clip because it's great. First off, in the video, he's kind of getting held back. Yeah. And I love the Philly guy in the background, a tough Philly dude. What are you going to do? Yeah. So you hear him outright challenge Mattress Mac, which is absolutely fantastic. He's, by the way, he's 71, and he's kind of a slightly built guy, so maybe he's got some badass in him. But right. Yeah, let him go, and let's see what happens. And Ari, if we could, can you reload this? Because I want you to play this one more time. Listen near the beginning, because you hear one of the Philly fans go, he's never going to make it to the hall. He's What an argument. (laughs) What a thing to get angry at. That Jose Altuve is not going to the Hall of Fame. So you got to go out and you got to start cursing at this random guy you have no idea about. Oh, it's fantastic. But, Steve, Mattress Mac, he's a man of faith. So, of course, the next day after the clip gets, uh, you know, spread to everybody. By the way, I think that was actually the other night. It was the game they won. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you looked at me. I assume, I assumed it happened a couple of games ago when they got lit no. up. He was they, they they got that yes. It got that heated after you freaking you're on the right side of a no hitter. Right. That's how much he loves Jose Altuve. But he made sure to tweet out a Bible verse once this clip started making the rounds. Okay. Because he got to put so, out the. Uh, so the I had, I hadn't looked at the Bible the Bible clip, and I know Adam Hill yesterday was like, "Come on, bro. What are you? You're trying to like get on the pedestal and point the finger at uh, at Phillies fans." What he tweeted is actually kind of amazing. Do you have it in front of you? I yeah. have it in front of you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is that related to the incident where he's cursing? Is he calling Philly fans saying that Jose Altuve is not a Hall of Famer evil? Absolutely. That is 100% Stop. what he is doing. Oh, my gosh. 
He turned it back on the Philly fans. How I, I I succumb to evil there. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm just going to say this. I have been told that I'm a hater when it comes to Mattress Mac. I was right. Yeah, you you <laughs> I I knew you would love this one. I I figured Adam would, but you have been anti Mac, and we we always get we'll get at least one tweet every time we talk about Mattress Mac is well, you know saying hey he's a charitable guy and and but by, by the way just because he acted like a fan and started yelling f bombs doesn't mean he's a that he's not a good person. Right, and here's the thing: like all of these things can be true. Right. I've never questioned his credentials as being a charitable man and whatnot. That he could probably, I, I think he did that a lot during the flood, the uh, the hurricane down there. Those were very good things that he did. What can also be true is like when Dave Portnoy of Barstool retweets the clip and goes, "He's got 15 million on the line." That's understandable. No, he doesn't. It is a hedge on a promotion. He is making money either way. Stop it. He is not some big degenerate gambler. And that, by the way, also opens a can of worms of glorifying guys who might, like like this, if he didn't have anything else on the line, throwing 15 mil, like putting that much at stake for a World Series game, you can make the argument for problematic gamblers, it gives them something like, I want to be like Mattress Mac one day. Like, there's a whole bigger story to this. And back to your point, you can't be. You don't, you don't have a furniture empire, and you're not going to use this as an insurance policy, which is what he's been doing. Number three. So how about that no-hitter? Phillies fans, shut down. Notice not once today we crowed about Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott and the Las Vegas Phillies. We'll leave that for another day. They weren't the Las Vegas Phillies yesterday. Historic event. Could it have been brought on by a local jinx? I think so. So one of my – when a few years ago when I got to go to the East Coast regularly – one of the things that I discovered that I didn't know was a thing but learned was a really big thing after was Wawa, Yes, uh, a gas station which is tremendous. Don't get us started on this show. Adam Hill is a Wawa devotee, and so am I. Oh, I, trust me. So when I, for, for those who didn't know, I would fly out to Atlantic City. I would have to rent a car and then drive – or excuse me, fly out to Philly, rent a car, and then drive to Atlantic City. It's like a 45-minute drive. It's not crazy, but it's a longer drive. And I would always stop at the same Wawa to get a coffee because I would take a red eye. So I'd get there at like 6 a.m. Uh, East Coast time. Loved it. Absolutely great spot. Super smooth to get in and out of. So it's a cult classic, and everybody loves Wawa. It really is. Uh, so Wawa tweets, so out, so tweets out yesterday. Actually, exactly 24 hours from this very minute. This is magical. Each time they get a hit, being the Phillies, take a bite of your hoagie. Hashtag Schwarberfest. Oh, no. How many, <laughs> How many hoagies just went uneaten or thrown out the window? Right. And on a great follow-up earlier this morning, Wawa responded to its own tweet saying, Woke up hungry. Let's get him tonight, Philly. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. Good sense of humor. All right. I'm down with it. It's Wawa's fault. Yes. Hoagie or sub? I never actually tried the hoagie or the sub. Okay. I got no, the I, breakfast I, I, just, I just meant the name of the sandwich in general. Are they hoagie, subs, or grinders? Oh, well, I grew up out here, so it's a sub. It's a sub. Yeah. But I can deal with hoagie. Yeah. I like hoagie better. It's just a better, cooler name. It's a better right. word. On this show, we'll forever moving forward, we will go with Hoagie. Down. You cool with that? Number two. Number two. Maybe Tom Brady could use a Hoagie. Man, he's looking thin. You had, By the way, you had no reaction. Uh, you were on for a spot on Monday, and we were talking about sports-themed Halloween costumes, and I said, you know, maybe you could go as like a, or I could go as like a ghoulish-looking thin Tom Brady, and the entire, the entire group just silent. Nothing. Nothing from Willie. Nothing from you. Could you not hear me, or did you really feel bad that I was kind of mocking on Tom Brady a little bit? I didn't, I didn't hear it, actually. I, that's what it was. was like, that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That happens sometimes. 
And but I thought I thought you might be shocked because I've been so over the top behind in support of Tom Brady. Do we have more notes on what's going on here with the divorce? This is my favorite thing about all of this. It's the different camps putting out their own version of every single one of the sto- like of their stories. Uh, Tom Brady headline. Didn't want to divorce Giselle Bundchen, says Source. Quote, this was not Tom's idea. Can I tell you my favorite part about this story, though? So I'm going to go I'm gonna scroll down here. This is my favorite part. Um, before Tom Brady and Giselle Bundchen finalized their divorce on Friday, this is from People, by the way, a reputable source, the superstar quarterback was prepared to do, quote, whatever it took to make things work, a source close to Brady tells People. No, he wasn't. Because if he was willing to do whatever it took, he wouldn't be playing football right now. (laughs) So he clearly wasn't willing to do whatever it took because I think everything has been laid out pretty clear. Giselle wanted them to stop playing football. I'll do What is it, the meatloaf song? I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. If he had walked away in the middle of the season, you think they'd still – like if he had quit, that's it, I'm done. You think they'd be together? A year from now? I mean, I'm not in a, like I'm not a relationship person. Oh, a year you, from now. You, you've been you've been in relationships. I mean, look, if the problems are big enough that you're getting divorced, you walking away from your job in the I mean, it would be a massive, massive sign. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to keep this together. They wouldn't be together in a year. But if that's the it's big, probably not. It's probably not. It might be the might be the biggest thing, but it's not the only thing. Well, but it's never the only thing. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you love your so. But there are things that you guys probably consistently get hung up on, just like any other couple does, like Isabel and I does, uh, do. Um, but I would think, if we're taking at face value the fact that she believed the football was the biggest issue, if he's walking away from the biggest issue, probably going to go a long way toward helping. But then yeah. he resents her forever because he's like, I couldn't win one more Super Bowl. Look at the NFC. It sucks. Yeah. The NFC South is terrible. I could have right? been there. Then he's, yeah, then he's going to harbor resentment you know, with her <laughs> for the next 30, 40 years. That's not going to help. You imagine if he stopped playing, and the Bucks actually went on to win this, the uh, the division at seven and ten, and he came back. He's like, "Just give me a run. Just let me go back for the postseason." Be ridiculous. Number one, Texans have no shot in this game against the Eagles. They're getting fourteen. No Brandon Cook, so that doesn't help. Man, Cooks had missed practice. For personal reasons, people are saying he was pissed off about not getting traded at the deadline. Is that really why he's sitting out? And is this going to be a recurring? I mean, I guess for the Texans, I don't know. I'm very confused about this whole thing. What did they actually want from him from the Cowboys that the Cowboys were like, no, we can't do that? I I think so. I saw. Let me pull it up officially. I think it was a second and a fourth or something like that for Brandon Cooks. That's a little high. It is. And well, it's weird too. So, and a lot of people too were like, "Well, Chase Claypool went for a second. That's what that's what Cook should." Now, here's the deal, though. Chase Claypool is still relatively young, right? And you could talk yourself into trading a second for a guy that has some upside. Um, if what's you're the other team. thing is, what's the salary difference? I, exactly. I mean, that's the other part about it. But and also, Cook's been in the year, the league since 2014. I mean, he's I hate to say it because I'm, I'm no, he's getting close. He's he's he's, 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 yeah, he's probably a one or two year player, and to give up a second and a fourth. But from the Texan side, like. Why push it to a second and a fourth? Now you got a guy who's disgruntled. He's probably not playing tonight because he's pissed. And not a very good reason. Could you just take a fourth and a, some kind of conditional pick and just get him the hell out of there and continue to stockpile picks? Uh, let's see. Say, yeah, I was right. A second and a fourth, by the way. That's allegedly what it was. That's too much. No, I'm with you. I mean, if because that's what the Texans, I mean, I think that's what they should be doing, and that's kind of what they've been doing. But teams are weird, man. Like, look at the Bears, for example. You think that they're going down a certain path, 
And then they ship off a second-round pick to go and get Chase Claypool. It doesn't really jive with what they've been doing this entire time. Like, if you're in that locker room, you're like, we just sent off our two best defensive players, and you're going to get Chase Claypool? That doesn't make any sense. And if you're the Texans, you're like, we've been shipping off assets since the offseason. Like, ship this guy off. Get him out of here for something. And they didn't do it. What would you have thought of the Packers if they – because they offered a second as well. I mean, what would you thought of the Packers if they got in Claypool? I mean, that's help for Aaron Rodgers, but it would almost be like, well, you're so desperate now, you're giving up a second. And, again, it's a salary thing. Claypool doesn't make a lot of money, but Amari Cooper, who does make money, but he went for a fifth. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I, – I don't, I don't understand their arrogance sometimes in terms of fixing things from outside the organization. This is it. This is the stretch run. You just went through all this drama where Rodgers said, I don't have enough help around me. You freaking paid him, and he's talking about not having a passion for football. You paid him. Like, you have to make the roster work. You have to go for it. But here's the thing, and I, I would say I would, I would push back on one part of your statement. This was never about Aaron Rodgers not having enough help. It was about Aaron Rodgers not having enough control. Now he's got it, and these are the fruits. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. You got exactly what you wanted. Your team stinks. And then every time he talks, you're like, okay, is he really backing the organization, or is he being a smartass? Talking about the lack of a trade, he said the compensation for whatever players we were going after just didn't make sense. Okay, did they run it by him? So I trust Brian, and we had some good conversations. We were in on some things. It just didn't pan out. All right, if that makes you happy. Yep. I I don't know why you weren't in on things when you really needed to be. Did they run it by you in the offseason when they really didn't get you help and they just tried to draft their way into help at wide receiver? Weird, man. Real weird. Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number. Obviously, going to hope to acclimate and come out here, get used to the heat and the humidity and all of that. And obviously, the whole purpose was to do that and you know take away one more long uh, East Coast trip. So just soak in as much as we can with the weather and get used to the elements and uh, come out and have a good practice every every day this week. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Wide receiver Devontae Adams on the trip, elongated trip to New Orleans and Jacksonville. It's bringing a fellow wide receiver, a legend in Jimmy Smith, former Jaguar. I'll talk a little Jaguars, talk some uh, about the wide receiver position. Jimmy, how you doing? It's Steve and John here in Vegas. I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you you being on. Did you do uh, any, back in your day, did you guys ever do any of these elongated trips where you stayed on one coast or, or the other? I think this is more of a development over the last, like, 15 years. Uh, well, of course. Uh, you, you asking how it affected you or what? No, no, no. I was saying the, the Raiders went to New Orleans and decided not to fly back to Las Vegas, so they basically have stayed, you know, 10-plus days in the southeast. And I, I think this is more of a, a recent deal where teams go to one coast or the other and decide not to go back home. Um, so I kind of wonder how the Raiders are going to react to this, if it actually is going to help, uh, help them by staying in the southeast for, you know, 10, 12 days. Well, I'm sure they made the decision all, already. You know, uh, there's a reason why they, why they did it. Maybe, you know, it was uh, just more cost-efficient, first of all, you know, or, or maybe, you know, just, you know, the climate in the south, you know, you can actually get some work in. You know, you know, you can get in shape, you can get acclimated to the weather, just like you said, and getting ready to play these opponents in this environment and in this climate. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch a lot of Raiders games, but Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have had a few moments, but the 
the connection between the two hasn't really turned out to what we we thought it would be. So what are you seeing between quarterback and receiver? Yeah, and that, that's the gamble that you take. You know, just because uh, a receiver was, was uh, you know, in my mind, Devontae Adams is, is the best route-running receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, as far as keeping his shoulders squared and his, and his, uh, his, his, his explosive off, off the ball separation, and then he's able to, to be a convenient uh, target for Aaron Rodgers. They had chemistry. They had grown together. I went to that same thing, thing where it affected my... What they got to do is, uh, it's just not in sync. They're not getting enough practice time in. They're, they're, you know, they just think it's going to automatically happen. And then when they watch film on, on these guys and, you know, and, and figure out, hey, Devontae Adams can't run those routes. And, and, you know, he can still run those routes, but he's not making the plays because it's the most important part. He ain't got no Aaron Rodgers to get it there to him. When a receiver, and he's gotten a lot of attention, uh, and I'm sure you know there were times where you know you were boxed um, and you got a lot of extra attention. What do you do to make things more effective to try to beat some junk defenses? What do you have to do as a receiver? I mean, you gotta you gotta watch film, you gotta study, and no, no, you know, because you know this is the NFL. These are grown men out here, so and then it takes a lot of luck. You know, you gotta have a good game plan. Uh, you got to be able to execute that good game plan uh, in, in whatever uh, climate. Whether it's, you know, playing in the old Mile High like we used to play. I used to have a tough time breathing when we played in Denver in Mile High because of my asthma. But when I look back over my career, every game I played in Denver, I lit it up. You know, so it's uh, everything has to be in sync. You know, if I didn't have a... I didn't play, I call it 70% of my balls were on the left side of the field. Well, that's a credit to playing on the same side of the field as Tony Baselli, our first Hall of Fame. Yeah. Come on, get that, you're going to win. So it's it's about being, you know, all the stars are lining up and everybody executing and uh, doing their job. Jimmy Smith, former NFL wide receiver with us, former Jaguar. Uh, why do you think things are working so well? You know, we were just talking about the quarterback wide receiver uh, duo not working, you know, perfectly right now in Las Vegas. Why is it working so well with Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Tua in Miami? Well, there's another thing. They have better chemistry. I mean, are they putting it, you know, you got to ask this question, you know, you say why. Well, the first thing to come, I don't know, I'm not there, but. First thing that comes to my mind as as an athlete, former, you know, wide receiver in the NFL, you're not putting in the reps. You're not getting the reps. You're not working hard enough. So I'm looking at it, you know, what they're doing in Miami, they're getting reps. They're staying after practice. They're coming in before practice. All right? Is that happening out there in Oakland? No. Probably not. Jimmy Smith with us. Uh, Jaguars, what do you make of the season so far? They're close. They're close, but uh, you know they're right now game seven points or less. They're zero and five, so they seem to be on the edge of turning the corner. And that's a good thing. You can see it. You know, until a team gets in sync, see what the, they have the talent to win. You know, they win the game, but 
what, what, what my team is missing right now is, is leadership. They don't believe. They need, they, they need to adopt Coach Prime's slogan at Jackson State, I believe. Yeah, let's 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 adopt that 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 slogan. I believe. Let's put that on all the Jaguar stuff, and I guarantee you, we'll start winning these games because we're winning the games consistently in the in the ball game at the end of the game. That's winning to me. Now we just gotta understand how to get the W. Yeah, it's also interesting, you know, trying to get through to a young quarterback. We saw Zach Wilson with the Jets have a lot of trouble with turnovers last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been up and down. It's I guess it's a little bit tough with some young quarterbacks to get through to them. Like, you you can't take chances. The margin for error, the, the gap between teams is so small in the NFL, we simply can't tolerate these mistakes by Trevor Lawrence. Right. Well, you know, technically, Trevor is still a rookie, you know, because you can't count last year. Was, was it, you know, that, that mess that was going on over there, that was crazy. There's just, a, you know, that Urban Meyer thing. But now they got a guy like Doug Peterson, with Trevor, all the pieces, you know, the guys are making plays. Yeah, they're not. They're in the ball game, so uh, they're looking for leadership. So when when people say, "Okay, who are the leaders with the Jacksonville Jaguars?" Yeah, see, so it'd be that answer: complete silence. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us. All right. So, so the next thing, well, who's the quarterback? Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, at Clemson. Right. Well, the thing is, he's still Trevor Lawrence, but he thinks he's at Clemson. You know? Yep. Well, he, he has to go through this. This is, you know what I'm saying? He has to go through this. All this stuff right here is good. And that's why we're talking about it right now, because you can identify with them, man. They're close, 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 close. They're gonna, something's going to happen. Because they're earning it. You have to go through this part right here before you start winning. They may, hey, they may start this weekend. They, they may not lose another game. It could happen like that. So who's going to win this one? I don't know. I'm just. I just like a good competitive game, you know. Uh, you know. I just like a. You know, and it's been a lot of good football, both on the collegiate level and you know on the pro level. It's been a lot of exciting football. So, I'm looking forward. Y'all holding me up. I gotta get ready. Watch guys. Get, get my corner. Order my wing stop. All right. Get the wing stop. Thanks, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. There he is, Jimmy Smith. I wonder if. We sent the audio to Devontae Adams and Derek Carr of Jimmy Smith saying they're not working hard enough. That can't be it. That can't I, be it. I would I would think that's not the case. Also, not in Oakland. Well, everyone makes that mistake. Just because, you know, we're here in Vegas, so obviously, you know, this has been ingrained for us, but a lot of people are still going to go. I still do San Diego. That's fair. I do it all the time with the Chargers. That's fair. No, I would say that it's probably not the case. And, I mean, look, they had all of camp. They had their bye week, too. I mean, that's the that's the weird part about it when you talk about implementation of a system and got to give it time. Like, they even had an off week, team. <laughs> you know what I mean? To kind of that, right. mo- that was probably the most shocking thing is, like, hey, it's get right time. Because we had debated, hey, is a bye week when you're 2-4? and four? Is, this a, is this a good time for it? You just want to get back on the freaking field? And then they came out. It's the last thing you expected for them to get off to a slow start. Yes, absolutely. And I, so I would say there is a mix of problems there. I would think, knowing what we know, lack of work ethic is not the thing that is holding them back at this point right now. But football's weird, man. Like, sometimes that connection just doesn't get reestablished, right? 
I mean, we've seen them too. It, that's the weird part about it is we've seen them just get used. You were talking about being just close with the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of where they're at. Think about some of the almost plays for the Raiders and Devontae Adams. We can go back to that Chargers game at the beginning of the year where Carr underthrows a pass that gets intercepted. It looked like he was going to burn a guy for a touchdown. All the way to the Chiefs game where he just barely misses on the sideline and would have been a play that would, could have ultimately led them to a win. So it's not a good feeling around the Raiders right now. Certainly not a good feeling with the fans around the Las Vegas Raiders. Pressure's mounting. I saw Walter's football, which I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but I actually I like them for draft analysis. Waltersfootball.com. Never heard of it. Check that. It's WalterFootball.com. But uh, team sources told this site, owner Mark Davis regrets the coaching moves he made during the past year. Obviously, uh, Davis will not admit that publicly and will voice support for the current staff. However, when asked about letting go of Basaccia, team sources say there is more to it than that. Uh, let's go back a little further. He regrets letting John Gruden go. Then regrets letting Rich go. Everything is definitely out of sync. I don't want to question the authenticity of the sources of, what was it, Walter Football? Walter Football, yeah. Um, I mean, there might be some truth to the Gruden thing. His hand was, uh, he, he wasn't happy. Right. His hand was forced, and I think he like he showed that. But I like with when it came to Basaccia, you don't know how that thing was going to work out if you gave him the entire job. Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. I don't think it's a possibility. You want to worry about winning the championship. You don't want to worry about going undefeated. I think, Nico, you were in that position before, right? And how exhausting that is mentally. Sometimes you learn so much more by losing. But listen, it's a team on their schedule that always beats the team that's unbeatable. And that's the Tennessee Titans because their brand of football is unlike no other. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Mark Scott on the Eagles. Again, this is what we do when we cover the NFL. We start jumping ahead when there's a lot of season left to go. I, I've heard people ripping on the Eagles schedule that there's no difficult assignments, just a few left, and they're not going unbeaten. Calm down. It's not going to happen. By the way, I just saw a note uh, here in Vegas. Someone joking that like a million people are considering turning on their heat. So for the folks in Reno, they're like, it's 40 there. Right, we're not used to fifty-six, or you know, especially since it came suddenly. You didn't have the heat on last night, did you? My wife you did. did. My wife did it for the first time last night. Wow, I was dying. I'm very fortunate. Uh, the significant other is a very she's very anti-heat because she says it dries her out, hmm. and The house has to be, I think, at generally at 58 or 59 before we turn on the heat. Caveat, inside, inside the house. Caveat for us, though, we do have small children. That's um, a good point. You don't want to have your kids getting all sick. Yeah, and, and the smallest, Dimitri, is he's nuts, like as a sleeper. I think I've told you this before. So you got to keep him warm. Throughout the middle of the night, we'll hear like, bang, bang, because he just like slams his head into the crib or like something <laughs> like that because he's moving around so That's much. Awesome. And, you know, he kicks his blankets off, and he's not yeah. capable of putting the blanket back on. So that is why we put the, the heat on early. Okay. I went to go sleep on the couch with the fan on, though, because I was dying. You were so hot. It was so hot in that <laughs> room, man. Uh, last night was actually the first night in, like, a week I closed the window. I was like, I'm going to yeah. close the window a little bit because it was a little windy. A little windy. 
the the well that's the, that's my favorite time. I like that. So, the are, you are, are you all right with your Colts right now? Yes, they're doing the right thing. They should have done this two weeks ago. Okay, lose. Uh, Greg Doyle, one of the columnists there, was saying that uh, listen, they've kind of lopped off a lot of the what they viewed as problems, right? Going away from Matt Ryan, got rid of Naheem Himes, Hines, Himes, Himes. Um, Heinz. OC, who was not really the OC. I don't even understand that whole thing. Uh, right. Uh, done. And he's suggesting if they lose again, Frank Reich could go. So the Frank Reich thing's interesting because not the – I think the losing is obviously part of it. But remember that Frank Reich has now convinced ownership in the front office for consecutive years now uh, to ship off assets to go and get a quarterback that has been a complete and utter nightmare. I think that more than anything – would have him on the chopping block because the highs under Frank Reich have been pretty high. Like, I mean, they won the last 10 games of the last regular season with Andrew Luck and made it to the playoffs, lost in the divisional round. Uh, we saw how good they could potentially be with Phillip Rivers. And don't forget that like the whole reason why Carson Wentz and that thing, like we remember it going so poorly, they were like a dark horse Super Bowl contender. They were playing really good football on both sides. All they had to do was beat Jacksonville, get into the postseason. Nobody wanted to see him. So, like, there were some pretty good highs in terms of production, but does Jim Irsay look around and go, bro, you've had us ship off these assets to go get these quarterbacks, and both of them are done. We can't keep doing this. That's a tough one, though. Should he be fired because they allowed him to have personnel say? How about just stop that? But, I mean, at the same time, yes. I, mean, I guess it, you are asking your head coach for advice. Right. It, you're not, it's not a situation... There have been situations like this where, you know, I, I think the the Marty AJ Smith thing in Chargerland ended early because AJ Smith is like, I have complete say. The coach has to have some say, but he's just been wrong. Yeah. So I think like I'm probably I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure the the first step is telling him we're not Frank, we're not buying it anymore. Like, like in the offseason when he comes in, he's like, guys, and he like slaps like the paper no, down. Frank. He's like, I really think that I could get it. Like, no, no, That's stop it, Frank. It. We're done. Yeah. We're drafting a quarterback who's young. We're going to try to go that route. Get out of my office. Frank's a good name to yell at. I don't know why I, I, I got into that. That was good. Yeah, that was real good. Brad Powers on the way. He'll give us a lean or like for Thursday Night Football. We'll go through a lot of the college football slate as well. It's Cofield and Company, Battleborn Sports Hour, presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Cofield and Company live from Silver 7s. Jonathan Montol will fill in real quick for Steve Cofield as we close it out here on this Thursday. Brad, uh, always appreciate you t- your time and always love talking to you. I wanted to start, though, with a topic uh, that Steve and I were discussing just a couple of minutes ago. I think I saw your tweet in reference to this. Uh, heat on yet? Yes or no? Uh, it's on, yeah. I, I'm cold right now. I mean, I, I <laughs> literally, I mean, I am. I'm wearing a uh, sweatshirt and jeans inside my, my place. That's how cold I am. Are you an anti-cold guy? Because I'm very pro-cold weather, so I, I enjoy it. Well, I'm from Ohio, so I'm used to it, but uh, and there's a reason other than gambling that I moved to Las Vegas. Okay. All right. I like it. I, do, I always do make the joke that I, I wonder of all the ancestors who lived out there, like they stopped in those areas. They're like, you know what? This is a perfect place to live. Let's raise our families out here. 
uh, the frigid winters, ice on the floor, it feels like a great place to, to raise our children. Uh, all right, let's go around the board. Let's start at the obvious spot, and, of course, that would be Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, the matchup of number one versus number one, right, uh, because one's in the college football playoff ranking. That would be Tennessee. Georgia, number one in the AP poll. Uh, Nolan Smith being injured. What does that do for you here and big picture for Georgia? Uh, it doesn't move the, move the needle for me that much. I mean, keep in mind, I mean, his backup actually played more snaps than him this year. Now, he leads a Georgia defense and sacks Nolan Smith, uh, and they've been limited as far as getting pass rush so far this season, at least compared to past years. So, I mean, I guess it's a worry, but I, I didn't, you know, run to the window to bet Tennessee because I found out Nolan Smith was uh, out for the season. I'll put it that way. So you did run to the window and bet Tennessee, nine and a half? I did not, no. Okay. I am waiting to bet Georgia. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's a team that I think is going to be very popular among the Joe Q public. And I know they don't bet until game day. And they're going to see that number one team, and they're going to see a plus sign and a plus sign more than a touchdown. And they love betting offense. And they're going to, they just saw Tennessee beat Alabama. They could beat Georgia. So, uh, buy price for me is going to be seven. But I'll probably, since I'm a degenerate, I'll settle for less and bet the Bulldogs. Yeah, I see a seven and a half popping up on my screen. So let me ask you this. We saw the total open up 61. We're as high as 66 and a half right now. Uh, my simple brain would say higher total would correlate a little bit more to Tennessee, but am I wrong in thinking that? No, not at all. I mean, higher total for Georgia is the worrisome there. I mean, if they, anytime they've allowed 30 points under Kirby Smart, they're two and nine. So, I mean, right now this game is telling you just pure point spread, 37-29-ish Georgia. So it's really on that cusp of Tennessee getting that 30-point barrier. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's a shootout, I, I would like Tennessee's chances at minimum of covering. Right, let's stay in the SEC, Alabama on the road against LSU. Everybody loves small sample size trends. So, Brad, LSU 4-1 and one against the spread at home this season. Obviously, they're going to stay within 13 and a half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, old Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Uh, I just look like LSU's got a quarterback in Jane Daniels that typically and historically has given Nick Saban fits at Alabama, but I don't see a lot of other playmakers beside him. And if they can keep him in check, I just, I mean, Keyshawn Booty for, for, for most of the season has been a no-show. I mean, Jane Daniels by far is their leading rusher, so... And they just don't got a lot of guys that would scare me if I'm on the Alabama defense. And speaking of the Alabama defense, I mean, their defensive front against LSU's very young, inexperienced offensive line is a major mismatch. So I lean Alabama here. And, and am I wrong in thinking that because you're right, like obviously, because the mobile quarterbacks in the past have given Alabama trouble. But from what I've seen, when Alabama's looked its most vulnerable, it's quarterbacks who are testing them in the secondary, right? Like with deep passes. He's only, Jaden Daniels, completed 10 passes of 20 or more yards downfield. Am I wrong in thinking that? Like when Alabama's going to look its weakness, it's going to be a guy who's going to be able to press them downfield like Hendon Hooker, like Quinn Ewers, as opposed to Jaden Daniels. I hear you. Uh, Stetson Bennett's a guy that doesn't worry me, you know, down right, the field. Right. I, I guess it depends. I made a general statement. I guess I'm getting old and I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the Johnny footballs, uh, you know, old Miss quarterbacks that were relatively more mobile than, than what they appeared and whatnot. But, uh, you're right. I probably a general blanket statement. Look, uh, you do have to attack Alabama secondary. We saw Hendon Hooker do it, but but obviously Hendon Hooker also gives you uh, you know uh, some mobility out of the quarterback position as well. But 
Yeah, I, I hear you in that regard. All right, let's go to Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, this one, it's not really moved around a lot. At least I got the open at three and a half here in terms of Clemson. Uh, fours and three and a half populate the board. Total of 44 and a half. Am I wrong in being like, all right, congrats, Notre Dame. You got the win over Syracuse, but you also played against a back of quarterback uh, in that second half. Let's see you do it here against Clemson. Because I also watched Notre Dame, um, Brad, play against UNLV, who was switching out quarterbacks, and they didn't really put him away. I just I haven't been impressed with Notre Dame at all. I haven't either. I, I like Clemson quite a bit. Uh, one of my favorite plays of the week. I just I don't see it. Notre Dame has a problem at quarterback that won't get fixed this season. Hopefully, if you're a Notre Dame fan, hopefully it gets fixed next season. But, I mean, Drew Pine is just not a Power 5-level starting quarterback. I mean, last three games, one of them including, a U, you know, that top-flight UNLV defense, quote-unquote, Syracuse and Stanford, he's completing less than 50% of his passes. I mean, that's just not good. a good look here. Against the Clemson defense, sure. Is it, is it as good as the Clemson defense from three, four years ago when they won the national title? No, but they're getting healthier and I think it's a mismatch up front. I think their defensive line will be the best defensive line Notre Dame's offensive line will see all season. Any worry at all, or what do you make of the quarterback situation with Klubnik and DJU and everything, all the noise around that for Clemson? Yeah, I, I maybe that's why the number's as short as, yeah. as, short as it is. I, I'm, I'm not that worried. I mean, if DJ struggles a little bit, they'll put in, you know, Klubnik, and I mean, he'll fare well, and obviously they beat, uh, you know, Syracuse. But I... I honestly expect to see DJ play one of his better games. He should be confident. One of his very first starts was on the road in South Bend, and he threw for 400-plus yards. Yeah, and well, I, I think, uh, to be fair with DJU as well, that Syracuse game was his uh, first slip-up since, uh, what would we say, the Georgia Tech game didn't look great against Wake Forest, but still he's uh, he looked like, yeah, right, he looked Agreed. like he'd been a little bit better. All right, let's go to the Big 12. Uh, we'll start here because I think I saw a clip from my uh, my full-time employer, V-SIN, with one Brad Powers on it. Texas, Kansas State. <laughs> Uh, this open pick, Texas a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I know I've mentioned this to you here on this program with Cofield. Texas is a team that the market and, and you seem to have a lot of respect for. Is the respect here in this spot against Kansas State? It is. I mean, I understand the pushback. I mean, because, you know, sooner or later you got to win these games. But, I mean, they have lost three games that could have gone either way for Texas. I treat them, you know, obviously you upgrade them after the Alabama performance. Uh, the Oklahoma State one is probably why it's only two and a half here. We just saw Texas in their last game lose to Oklahoma State. We just saw Kansas State in their last game beat Oklahoma State forty-eight nothing. Got to bet Kansas State here, right? No, I'm not. Not so much. I'm more of a you know what was the market coming into that game. I, I'm not necessarily going to overreact to one single result. Uh, and Texas was a six and a half point road favorite at Oklahoma State. Kansas State was only a two and a half point home favorite against Oklahoma State. That tells you right there that Texas far and away the superior team. Also, like, situational spot. I mean, Texas off a bye. Statistically speaking, they're a superior team in Kansas State when you look at the season averages. And plus, so high. Kansas State, that's one of their better performances. Forget the season, probably the last decade. So why not sum them off of a performance like that? So I am a, I, I'm a man that, I, Brad, I do have a small anger issue in my life, and I don't mean to get too personal with you. Uh, and, and that anger did bubble up a little bit last Saturday when I watched uh, TCU and Max Duggan decide to take a shot at the end of that game when I had West Virginia in that matchup. Out of spite, I want to bet the Red Raiders. This, how do they keep doing it? That's my question, right? Like, it's the Jesse Pinkman screaming at this, like, the ceiling and breaking bad. How does he keep getting away with this? TCU continues to deliver in these spots where they should not be able to deliver, and here they are, eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean – I think, you know, uh, it depends on your bankroll, but, I mean, 
I'm okay going right back to the well here. I'm taking Texas Tech. I, I like Texas Tech quite a bit. I think you're right. I mean, they've been extremely fortunate as far as opposing quarterbacks go, injuries, facing backups and whatnot. They've been very fortunate covering points, spreads, late scores against Kansas and West Virginia, giving them covers. Uh, I just think Texas Tech, if they can play relatively clean football, I, I think they're, they're, they're not only the right side here, but I give them an outside shot of pulling the outright upset. I just think Texas Tech statistically is a pretty undervalued team in the marketplace considering who they played this season. Some of and it's not abhorrent, but some of the EPA numbers would paint Baylor as a pretty average defense. Uh, they're catching three and a half here against Oklahoma. This totals up to sixty-one and a half. Do you have anything here? Aline Baylor. I mean, I think they're the right side. It just worries me. Why is this not three? I just to me to me that that's the worry. Anytime I think a, a line should move, Clemson's honestly scaring me that we haven't seen money come in on them yet. That line continues to sit there, but. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma's better, obviously, than what we saw against Texas. They got Gabriel back. They got Billy Bowman on defense back. But I just I, I trust Baylor in year three under Dave Aranda a little bit more. So give me the hook. Uh, one of my favorite teams. I want them to win out, and I want absolute and utter chaos. I would love Illinois as a college football playoff team. Uh, <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, were you behind the line move here? This opened 13. It's up to 17. Yeah, I was. I didn't get the 10, though. Somebody beat me to that. Uh so, uh, but I mean, we're at the point now. I mean, come on, you're chasing too much, in my opinion. I mean, at 17, if I saw 17 on Sunday morning, yep. I probably would have made a bet on Michigan State. I know they got eight guys out, and five of them are their top 13 tacklers. And I know there might be locker room issues. I know the season might be over for them. But I mean, that number is not teams. I 17 is a lot with a low total. So lean Michigan State at the current line. So I'm gonna I'm gonna toss up this softball, and I know you're gonna knock it out of the park. Duke, a 10-point favorite on the road against Boston College? Yeah, I mean, it's their biggest. If you're wondering, well, when has Duke been that big of a favorite on the road in conference play? you got to go back to 1994. Uh, I mean, I was in, obviously, grade school at that point. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I get it. Uh, I'll say this. I'm probably in the minority here. Uh, I'm going to take BC with a you know possible backup quarterback with their offensive line issues. And I've upgraded Duke more than any team in the country. Two touchdowns since the start of the season. And I've downgraded Boston College as much as any team in the country. I still can't get to 10, so I'm, I'm going to lean BC here. Brad Powers with us, professional handicap. All right, a couple more to fire at your rapid fire very quickly. Uh, were you behind the line move? UNLV opened nine, down to six and a half. Doug Brumfield is back at quarterback. I am. I took the nine. A lot of it, Brumfield's back. Different UNLV team with him. Okay, I like it. How about uh, Oregon? Are you buying in, like, from a power rating standpoint to this Ducks team? I, I guess style points, do those come into consideration now at this point of the season? Yeah, but I instead of laying the huge number on the road, if you're thinking style points, where's it going to happen offensively? Over for me. I did bet the over at the over. And uh, how do you handle teams coming off of uh, some of these dramatic finishes like West Virginia on the road against Iowa State or Penn State, uh, who is a pretty big favorite on the road themselves? Yeah, not too heavily involved in either game. I bet overs uh, without thinking about the weather on Sunday. Uh, obviously, it looks like wind and rain in the forecast for both of them, so I think I got a couple of bad bets there. All right. Before we get you out of here, you got anything on Thursday night tonight? You know what? I played under in the App State Coastal Carolina game. Uh, already a touchdown for Coastal, so it's not, I'm not looking good. All right. Brad, we appreciate it as always, man. Thank you very much for the time. Hey, thank you so much. Take care. Brad Powers Sports, and of course, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Powers Seven.
All right, before we get out of here, um, some other updates when it comes to, because, you know, look, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to uh, the association. I'm going to stress one more time for anybody out there, and that would include for our Reno audience, if you got nothing going on tonight, you know, throw on the NBA Network and watch these young kids, these Oklahoma City Thunder, absolutely fantastic basketball game. I would argue the best game of the evening. Yes, that would include, of course, the Thursday night football game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans, but that's just me, of course. Uh, but tonight, uh, they are six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the Denver Nuggets and uh, Warriors and Magic. We'll see if the uh, the Warriors can actually get things done. If you're out here in Las Vegas, make sure you take a, a trip out here to Silver 7s when we're out here on Thursdays or just any day that includes the $7.77 special that they offer with that, we're all done. Kofi and the company, Reno, you've been listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour at ESPN Reno, LVSportsNetwork.com. We'll see you.